I'm constantly having the experience of contraction and expansion. That it's an ongoing process of finding out what makes me feel like I'm contracting. My complaints, my fears, all of those cause a contraction. And what am I creating that causes that contraction? And forgetting about that. Like acknowledging it, seeing it, letting it go. Feeling those little epiphanies of expansion that happen after that. And it's a, it's a fun game. I think that's the biggest thing is that it's, it's really fun to play with alignment. To, the, great, the, the great work is play. Hmm. I mean, it, it's, it's hard. It's hard. There's tears. There's anguish. There's fear. There's, and it's still play. It's, it's the best kind of play. Welcome to Alone Traveler's Guide to the Divine, a podcast for seekers, dreamers, healers, and anyone on their healing journey. My name is Amanda Lux, and I'm the creator of the Elevation Hive School and Community for Energy Medicine and Dreamwork. And I am changing. I'm going through a lot of transition. And so this episode is really all about that. And I believe that we are all always changing. We are constantly growing, evolving, shedding old skins, and courageously wiggling our way into a new incarnation. I'm going to be having a conversation about this in this episode with my partner, Christopher Gerber, who is an amazing artist. He's an amazing creator of realities. And in this episode, he and I are discussing and sharing tools and resources and thoughts and challenge points around personal transformation, specifically in regards to this concept of becoming somebody new. They say that we shed all of our old cells and completely regenerate every seven years or so. And I looked it up and what I learned is that actually there's about 330 billion cells that are replaced daily. The equivalent to about 1% of all of our cells are replaced every single day. In 80 to 100 days, 30 trillion cells have been replenished, which is the equivalent of an entirely new you. So it's not actually every seven years. <laughs> it's much more frequently that we are completely regenerated and we can reimagine ourselves we don't have to regenerate the same old being with the same old pains and fears and stuck patterns. We don't have to drag those forward into our future over and over again. It's an option to just relinquish and become somebody totally different, which is absolutely thrilling in my book. And so I've been really working this muscle. I'm kind of a transformation junkie. Obviously, I, I work in the business of coaching and healing. So I've had the great honor of witnessing so many people change dramatically, heal dramatically. And I've experienced it over and over again in my own life. So this conversation is meant to be an anchor for you in your own process. So if you're going through a change or you want to, 
and you're not sure how to initiate that, or you know someone who's going through a big life transition, this is an episode to just give you a little insight, maybe some tools. I'll walk you through a guided visualization process, but mostly this is myself and my partner having a conversation about the things that have kept us limited and the ways that we have been able to harness the energy of alignment and really consciously shift and make things happen in a new way, in a new frequency. And I've been doing this very, very actively in my life, currently changing a lot of things in my life, taking huge leaps, building this incredible healing center here in Washington State. This has been a vision and a dream of mine for so long. And I finally, just in the last month, let go of my private practice for a while so that I could focus 100% on my dream and step fully into it. It's just been a huge transition. We're creating these magical domes to dream in, to heal in, a healing center, a retreat center. It's, I just really would love to invite you to keep following my social media, follow the website, elevationhive.com, so you can keep up with all the incredible things that are happening. I'm so blessed to get to have access to this incredible property that is on the Salish Sea, that is ancient trees and water, and it's a beautiful, beautiful place, and the land itself has participated in this transition. I've been listening deeply to what it wants and how I can honor that vision with the least amount of impact so that I can share it in the best way. So that's what I've been up to. And this episode is really, in a way, honoring this transition for myself. And it's also about honoring and supporting and being in camaraderie with you in your transitional time in your life, wherever you are. Because if you're an evolving person, you're going through a transition. <laughs> And if you're a human being, then your cells right now are renewing. And this is an opportunity for you to choose what you want to hang on to, what you want to let go of, and who you want to become. I wanted to have this conversation with you in particular because, well, we live together. We know each other well. And you're brilliant. And we have these incredibly exquisite conversations every single day. And specifically, we've been discussing for a little while now, maybe we always discuss this, but this idea of becoming someone new. And that particular phrase made its way into our vocabulary because of your story. Well, so a lot of people now know Dr. Joe Dispenza as the writer. He's got thousands of followers all over the world and has done great things with his teaching. But I knew him, I met him back, he was a chiropractor and he was my chiropractor. And I would go in with the same chronic lower back pain again and again and I was like, Maybe he's just not a good chiropractor because I keep coming back <laughs> with this same low back problem. And I told him, so I'm like, hey, I keep having this, you know, the same back problem all the time. And 
and not really realizing that I was also going in and telling him the same sad stories all the time, the same, same thing. And he looked at me at the end of one session and he says, well, you just have to be somebody else. My first response to that was like, no way, I, I'm me. You know, what, well, how could you tell me to be somebody? I'm just going to become more and more me. And I, 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 was, I was offended and I didn't get it. And, uh, and it was really like years, years that went by. And I finally got what he said about being somebody else. Because that person that was in his office before, the person with the <laughs> lower back pain and the same complaints and things like that, is not the same person as I am now. As long as I was that person, I was probably always going to have that same back pain. And it took me a while of reworking, consciously becoming somebody else. And it started me on this journey, just learning to take inventory. Like, who am I really being? I know who I think I'm being. <laughs> and it's like, it's almost like three columns, right? There's the who I think I'm being, who am I really being, and who do I want to be? Mm. And I how it was that, and it's not what we have, it's what we're being. And I kind of do it backwards. Oh, if I just had this then I could do this, and then I would be this, thinking that that would get me to being this somebody new. And it wasn't really that at all. Like, what I learned is that it was a process of like, oh, be the successful artist, and then do what a successful artist would do. And then, lo and behold, I have what a successful artist would have, you know? And I even did that with relationships. I thought you know, for years that you know, I wanted to have a good partner, right? And if I did certain things, then I would have a good partner. It wasn't until I started being a good partner, like what would a good partner be? You know, like what was that definition? Then doing what a good partner would do. And in the process of building this beautiful garden and keeping bees and making my place beautiful and doing all these things that I would do for a partner, you literally walked into my garden. So that was a great example of being someone different. Little tangent, not a tangent. Like right before that happened, I had, I had always had like long hair and I've took great pride in my long hair. It was my, my freak flag. I'm different from everybody else. I'm an artist. I can have my hair long. No one's telling me to cut it. All sorts of reasons to have my long hair. But really, it was, it was barbarian long. You know, it was not, <laughs> it was not well kept. It was not, it was just shaggy. And, and, and in many ways, it probably just said, keep off, <laughs> stay away. And I, I guess I caught myself in the mirror one day and I'm like, oh yeah, that's not, you know, if I want to be somebody new, if I want to be that partner and I'm like, I, I want to be the king. I don't want to be the barbarian anymore. I want to be the king. And I actually went to a hairstylist that's so much more than a hairstylist. Sarah Ann. And yeah, so I went into Sarah Ann. <laughs> at the beauty temple. <laughs> at the beauty temple. <laughs> and I'm like, I've decided that 
I want to welcome a queen into my life. And so I want the king haircut. Now, I wouldn't tell this to any hairstylist, but that's what Sarah Ann of the Beauty Temple does. She's like, what are you getting rid of? You know, like as we cut this hair away, what is that you want to bring in? And it worked. I got that haircut. I felt like the king. I invited you to over to hang out with my bees and maybe paint. Wasn't that like a week later? Yeah, just a week later after after the haircut. When it, when it had finally grown in, you know, it takes a little bit for the yeah. hair to... <laughs> but I think by then I had the... I was I was rocking the king. Yeah. Being the king, because otherwise you wouldn't have shown up. <laughs> hmm. Thank you. met Dr. Joe Dispenza. He was your chiropractor. You were having chronic low back pain. You went in and one day he he just said to you, you need to be somebody new. You need to stop being who you were, this person with the chronic back pain, and you need to become somebody else. And at the time, you didn't really receive that very well because you wanted to be more you. And I think that's an interesting distinction that when we become somebody else, there's this idea of attachment to who we are or who we have been, even if we want to be something else. We still have this idea of who we are, and we don't want to let that go. I haven't read any of his books still, but I did skim through, and I, I did think that it was interesting. He talks about becoming nobody. And in order to become the somebody that you want to be, you have to become nobody. And I really loved that because to me that was saying you have to let go of being attached to who you were. Like there's this ego attachment to our old problems and our old pains and our old ways, even though they keep us stuck in a place that we don't want to be that we somehow keep dragging them forward into the future, complaining about the same things, right? Yeah, there's definitely a little death that happens. You know, there's there's a little death that, like, has to happen. I mean, the beauty of it is, is we can have these also little reincarnations in one life, remembering the last life, but at the same time, oh, now we can do something different because we are someone completely different. I've mourned that. There are times where I've mourned. <laughs> there's, a, there's a moment of grief with that, that little death. And I think a lot of times when people find themselves in situations, they are experiencing that little death without knowing that they're experiencing that little death. Yeah. And that's the time where it's most important to write the new being. It's the caterpillar inside the chrysalis that's absolute goo you know it's not it's not a butterfly it's not something in its genetics remembers that it's this you know not a munching crunching crawling being it's a flying nectar sucking completely different thing it's so important to imagine at that goo stage who we want to be and that's where i came up with you know the the concept of the the list, you know, to really write down who we want. The more we can bring that into reality, and even if it's getting a haircut, right? Like that haircut was a way of... Calling it in through action, right? Yeah, yeah. Action's yeah. a huge part of it for me. 
speaking it out loud, writing it down, you know, doing things that, that symbolize to me, those, I call those ritual actions that there's consciousness behind the act. Therefore it becomes a ritual to actually get the haircut on purpose to signify to your subconscious that you are no longer that old person, that you're releasing the old hair. And you had witness, you had somebody there to hold space for you and to receive your intention as you did it, as you went through this transformation. And then we have to actually let go, like do the work of letting go of whatever that was, that old being. And I love that you said to mourn it. I've had a pretty long practice and it's successful practice at writing things down and burning them. There's, there's something about the fire for me that makes it, and writing it down on paper, that whole, it, the most profound things will come from that. That, and I've, you know, I've also at the same time drawn a lot of my, or written a lot of those things and have an ongoing sketchbook. You know, you could call it a journal, mine's more of a sketchbook. And it's really amazing to see that sort of, manifestation journal like it's it's great after 30 years of doing it to be able to look back and go oh that came not in the way that I thought it was going to happen not in the way that I pictured it but that happened and I have a list of saying that I had thought of that before and the more I get that reaffirmation that oh this actually works the shorter the intervals of time are between when I write them down or when I draw them and that actually happens because now I have the experience of knowing, Oh, this happens. It's not just somebody saying it happens. I have that experience. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's one of those things that everybody has to do for themselves, but to have a record and be able to look back on it is helps the process. last 12 episodes, I've been discussing the elements in different facets. One episode per element. You could apply it to anything, teaching, creating things, you know, dream work. There's the elemental dream work format that I've created. So if you haven't listened or you're not familiar with the elements, you're invited to go back and listen to those. But specifically, the elements offer a construct. And to me, there's this whole blueprint for transformation. And I was thinking about how I would overlay the elements in this context of personal transformation, of becoming somebody new. Starting with the ether element, that the ether is really about space, it's about the field, it's the highest vibrational frequency, it's when the inspiration is initially coming through. And it's like we're tuning to that thing in the field that we are becoming. It starts there, right? It's not manifest yet. In the realm of the ether, it's not even a conscious thought. We haven't even gotten mentally engaged in it yet. It's just first coming through. It's the invocational quality of what is coming. And I think it starts there. Our transformation starts in the ether, where we initially align with our soul path and we re- or we realize that our old path or our current path is no longer aligned with where where we need to go. And so when once we recognize and come into consciousness that there's something new coming through, then it moves into the air and the air element rules the mind. 
it's the heart chakra and it's where we become conscious and maybe at that point we actually speak and put it into form and start writing down and you know engaging with the energy in an organized way around what we are becoming making that list like you're saying taking that inventory mentally becoming aware and engaged with the process of of who we are who we were and who we want to be or who we are being called to be. And then we move into the fire element, which is where we can actually take physical action around it, right? We engage in the ritual act of cutting the hair, right? Or of telling your client, telling my clients that I I can no longer work with them. I'm taking some time off. And really taking that step is when we bring it from the air into the, the manifest reality. We start to engage with it. And that's more of a, a ritual enactment that where we're, we're still calling it through, but we're taking action around it. And then we move into the water element, which is the second chakra. And that deals with sort of our physical intuition, our subconscious. So in that phase, I think, of becoming someone new, we're actually becoming more receptive to what are the resources we need and what are the attachments we need to let go of. Second chakra is a lot about that, letting go, letting things, making room, and then also becoming more receptive to being able to align and receive the resources we need in order to birth this new reality, this new self. And when we get to the earth element, that's about completion. And to me, that's a lot about sort of grounding into what we are really needing to let go of the old way, bringing old things to completion completely so that we can actually step into this new physical manifest reality. And that would be the earth completion. For me, I'm a painter. And when I really want to make something happen, one of the things I'll do is, is paint. I'll also dance. And in both my, my dance and my art, it's water element. I know I'm in the watery flow when I forget what that focus was in the first place. Like I go into the painting, I'm thinking about this, I'm listening to music, I'm getting into the colors, all of a sudden I forget what I was so focused on in the first place. And that's the moment where I know that that idea is released into the universe. I love what you said about forgetting about it. You were mentioning that earlier as sort of a forget about it, (laughs) sort of a Zen, you know, I don't know, play. Yeah. Well, my experience of There's so many times, so many, like almost on a daily basis where I'll lose something and it's often something very important and key in the moment. And I'll be really kind of stressed out and looking for it. And then for whatever reason, I'll forget about it. And all of a sudden I realize that I'm looking right at that object that I could not see before. And I think that that has become a big part of my alignment process. It's a point of neutrality that forget about it. Like when you really take that to that point of neutrality, you allow the universe to come to you. 
if I'm thinking about things, what I realize a lot of times is if I'm thinking about them really hard, I'm pushing them away from me. I'm thinking so hard about it, I'm literally pushing it away. And the moment I forget about it and let that go, there's this place of neutrality that all of a sudden that thing will show up and go, oh, that's exactly what I wanted. Wow. (laughs) I love that, especially because even when you were saying that you keep this journal and the sketchbook and that you can go back and see that the things that you were calling in have come but they didn't always come in the way that you think they will come. They don't always show up in accordance with our, our ideas or our plans. And so when we forget about it, we're really allowing the intelligence of our higher knowing or the higher organization of things to step in because we don't want to think we know how it should look really, right? And that when, if we can just set it and forget it is what I say. Mm. And even with a session, you give a session and then you forget about the session. You don't ruminate on it because then you're, you know, you're getting intermingled (laughs) energetically in a way you're attached to the healing or the outcome. That's not neutrality, right? That's not really the best way to be in relation. So it's imperative in the healing arts that we, that we forget about the work, that we let it do its thing, that we let the client go completely, or if we're in our own process, that we go through the process and we let it go. And that letting go and that forgetting is really where things get to, the magic happens. been contemplating a lot the the things that get in the way of our becoming someone new because for myself it's going through this transition very actively during the last month specifically I've really been keenly aware of all of these specific things that are coming up for me I've been observing myself getting in my own way or the old patterns that I am attached to that I have to acknowledge and let go and release. And I've been really aware of the things that we do to sabotage our own efforts or the things that keep us stuck. And for me, I've, I've broken it down, I think, into these sort of steps. Like one is about coming into awareness of the old patterns, right? Like you were saying, take an inventory. And that as soon as we start to engage in this new path, we really do have to let go of the safety of the old thing. There's a reason why we were doing the old thing. Even though it wasn't bringing the result we wanted, we kept doing it, we kept being it, because we didn't have what we needed in order to do something different. But becoming aware of that old pattern and then being willing to let it go is super scary. Well, and that's where that power of the observer, you know, to take that second place of, you know, you're having the dream. Who's observing that you're having the dream? Be that observer. And in some way, like I find in community, it can be really challenging because 
there are so many people that are used to observing you how you were, the old self. And they're like, oh, are you still doing this? Are you still doing, like, oh, I'm a completely different person now. And there's a part of me that has to retreat. And sometimes it's just retreating to the studio. It's that that chrysalis, that outer protective shell that is created. And it could just be a moment in space and time where you're not making judgments on your observation and you're not letting other people's judgments or observation affect the experiment. So how do, we, how do I create that, that neutral spot? And again, I know that I do that with my, my studio space. Like, it's very isolated. And I'm just now recognizing how much I like that and how much it's a part of my process of creating the next step. Containment is an essential key ingredient in building up our reserves of courage in the midst of transition not necessarily going around and telling everyone what we're doing when it's still in its early stages, right? There's that embryonic phase where we need to have it be a little bit in the womb, right? Contain it just a little bit. There's great power in secrets. And I, it took me forever to learn that until I start to experience those little steps of manifestation towards that direction. Knowing when to you know, hold space for your own transitions and when to share them, that there's power in sharing it and involving other people in the visioning and the celebration and that there's power in the containment of it at a certain phase when it's it's not quite ready to be birthed. My friend Elizabeth calls that the fertile darkness, when it's in the fertile darkness and it's of that yin place, that, that negative pole. It's it's magnetically attracting what it needs to become what it will be, but it isn't there yet. And we go through phases like that in our lives so often as we are evolving, we're constantly changing and we want to be constantly changing. It's important to evolve and to let go of what we were and the old limitations, the old limiting beliefs, the old confines. And, and it's scary. So I think we get in our own way when we're just too stuck in the fear. So fear can be an indicator, actually, that we're on the right path. Oh, my, my complaints are my path to power. <laughs> and I laugh at that because, you know, for a while I just had complaints for the sake of, I don't know, complaining. Like I wanted to have the poetic complaint. But more and more I realize that what I'm complaining about is often what I'm fearful of. I'm expressing a fear well, and it's usually something that you abhor witnessing, but it's a reflection of something in yourself, right? We were discussing yeah. that. It's a mirror. The things that we're complaining about are the things that we, we don't want to be, and we're seeing them magnified back at us in the world around us, and it, it's disgusting. But we're not aware. We think of it as other. And usually that's the unconscious moment when we still think, think we're something. But, you know, at the same time, I think when we are willing to admit that that's us, that there's something in us that we are repelled by, that we're seeing and that we don't want, that that's really an invitation moment also to become something different, to take in the reflection.
there's something too about congruence and this is about like when we say one thing and do another and I think that's something that keeps us in the old pattern we don't realize yet that we're doing it but we keep saying you know I'm ready to transition out of this old thing and into something new. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready for this new thing. Or I would say, you know, I'm ready to really get mastery over social media. But then I would just like hide from social media and not want to engage with it and not really feel equipped to dedicate the time and energy necessary to actually go full force into that or to hire somebody else to do it for me. (laughs) I wasn't doing either thing, you know? I just kept saying over and over, I'm ready to do this, I'm ready to do this. But I wasn't doing anything different around it. And I was having all of this disdain for it and struggling. And finally, I kind of came to this realization that there was a resource that I didn't have. There was something missing that I needed that I didn't have. And I kind of had to relinquish that intention altogether. And because the more I said, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, and then the more I didn't do it, the less in alignment I felt I was, the less in integrity. So there's this thing about like, what do we keep saying we want, but yet we're not doing something different in order to get it. We're still doing the old thing. We're still being the old thing and it doesn't align. And then we're just in that struggle point. Yeah. Yeah, I I realize more and more that alignment is the path of the devout hypocrite. And by hypocrite, devout hypocrite is, yes, I know I'm not doing the actions, but I'm going to keep saying this anyway, because I know that this is going to lead me to the place I want to be, even though I'm not that. And eventually, I'll get to the point time and time again, where I'll start to be that. And that's where if you're not devout, you're not going to move beyond it. You just stay up. Oh, I'm a hypocrite. Obviously, I'm not doing that. And you drop that whole pathway. But as being the devout hypocrite, you recognize your hypocrisy, and just slightly adjust the, the trim tabs as Buckminster Fuller speaks of like how a plane doesn't make these great big swerves when it needs to adjust by a few degrees, which could be a few miles off. It's little tiny adjustments. But first I have to recognize the hypocrisy. First I have this quote and then, oh, wow, I'm doing the exact opposite of that quote. How do I be something different? That feels like that moment of faith where we recognize that we're saying one thing and doing another where we can see the path ahead that we want to get to, but we just really see all the things that are in the way. Everything that's in the way of us getting there shows up. And then we have to move through that gauntlet a little bit. And we have to hold focus on what we want to become and have that faith where we have to not give up on ourselves, even though we're not that thing yet, even though we don't have it. It's not fully here. We're in creation process. And in order to become in integrity, we have to acknowledge where we're off. Yeah. And then we have to forgive ourselves for being off. So there's forgiveness in there too, right? I had a really big problem with manifestation and like why I use the word alignment now. Because, you know, I was taught or somehow got this idea that 
if I saw myself as fabulously wealthy, even though my checking account is at negative $19, then I would manifest the $19,000 and make up for that. Like all I had to do was like, think, not do any other actions. Yet I knew that I was on some level, I knew that I was lying to myself, that I wasn't magnificently wealthy. And I started playing this game where I would pick up change on the floor, on the ground, on the street, no, no matter what denomination it was. And I'd say, money comes to me. Because that was the truth, right? Like, do I have a million? And I, am I fabulously wealthy? No, that's a lie. My body knows it's a lie. Reality knows it's a lie. I'm not fabulously wealthy. But if I start saying money comes to me every time I find money, and I find more and more money, my reality, my beingness knows that, oh, yeah, money does come to you. I've seen it happen. I've witnessed that. That's, that's not a lie. Mm. You didn't quantify it, but that number gets up bigger and bigger. Like that simple game of telling the truth in my alignment. And so alignment is this process. It's not instantaneous. It is a process of aligning more and more. Yes, I found 25 cents and money comes to me. And I remember having one day where I was working on this bid and I went out and someone had, I don't know, maybe their pocket had broken open or something, but there was change all over the ground, just in the middle of the yard or wherever I was walking. And I'm like, oh, money comes to me, money comes to me, money comes to me. Like, look at all this money that's just coming to me. And I thought, oh, that's hilarious. And I went in and and the bid had gone through and it was like a $30,000 bid that kind of came out of nowhere, you know, like... We're literally, I was excited to have that change because that meant, oh, okay, cool, coffee money, right? And then to go in from that and then have, oh, yeah, $30,000, the, the bid went through and the check's in the mail and here we go. So money comes to me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story. I love that you found the tiny truth, kind of like the tiny deaths. <laughs> There's like the little truth, right? Yeah. Like where that thing that we're trying to create, where is there a little bit of it? And that sort of is that gratitude piece too, right? Where we find, well, where is that happening? And that's in polarity, we call that the positive pole, finding the positive pole of where is that already happening? How can we cultivate gratitude for the thing that we're calling in, in the small ways that it's already here, or maybe that we resonate with from our past? Maybe at one point we did have that going on and we can anchor into that past or into a future vision or into the smaller ways that it is true, right? And that then we just have to amplify it. Well, and I've had times where literally just being grateful for the next breath. Like what have I, isn't it great that we don't have to like run around and find the next breath? Like <laughs> I guess that's called drowning, but like if you were walking around in your day to day, like, oh, I'm almost out of air here and I've got to run to the next section to get like, I'm so grateful that I can just like, there's a, there's, there's a breath. All I have to do is inhale and there's like life giving oxygen. It's fantastic. And there are days where it seems like that's all I had. Like everything else was really, really crappy, but just having gratitude for breath. 
having gratitude for that glass of water. And it does magnify. And it's the little truth. Like, this is true. I can breathe right now and I don't have to run around from place to place and, you know, pay somebody for the breath tree or whatever. I love, I love that you're, you know, you are a truly magnificent manifester, actually. And I love that you're sharing that, that there have been moments where it felt like just the next breath was enough. And I love that that gives permission for anyone listening, that no matter how far away you might feel from that thing that you want, that you feel you're called towards in this lifetime, even if it feels so incredibly distant or impossible, that you really, you can align with that, that you are aligning with that. And on a quantum level, you already are that. There isn't anything really between you and that ultimate thing. There is no time, there is no space. It is all happening. said the kingdom of heaven is as small as a mustard seed and that's what it really kind of and I don't know if you've ever seen like a mustard tree but a mustard tree is like huge it's ginormous like it's really and it's the seed is really really tiny and so that little seed of truth the biggest most magnificent truth that we can think of is based in that really small truth that we can find that thing that we that is right in our hand right now, no matter how small it looks. Mm-hmm. And then it's our our process to nurture that seed. That's a beautiful visual that we can hold on to the, the fullest potential of who we are here to become. And that even within the seed is, is the whole tree. And within the micro is the macro. If we are on an evolutionary path, which hopefully we are, we're not going backwards, we're not devolving in our lives. If we are really stepping into and purposefully actualizing ourselves and our dreams and engaging in our reality and our experience intentionally, then we are always growing and shifting and changing. And it's uncomfortable to let go of the old thing or to realize where we are out of integrity and to realize what we need to bring to completion and what we need to release. And then to take that brave step of believing in the tree, even as the seed. And then there's this moment I think that happens when we're engaging our lives and we really finally do say yes. There's this principle of, I've heard it called escape velocity. Have you heard of this? Yeah. And I was thinking about that today a little bit because the second we say yes, we actually step onto the path. Oftentimes there will be this surge of challenge, oppositional forces will come into play. And that even just happened for me <laughs> like in the last 24 hours. As soon as I say yes and release, the, then these oppositional forces come into play. And the trick is to not be swayed, 
to just see like, oh, this is that obstacle course, that test that are you really truly ready to embody this, this new way, this new frequency, yeah, right? The, the obstacle is the path, as the Stoics say. And so to hold the focus, <laughs> that's what makes the big difference. Like you've got to hold the focus and that's the great work is holding the focus, holding on to those little truths, holding on to those seeds, nurturing those seeds, regardless of the outside circumstances. This is a truth that I know. I know that money comes to me because I found 25 cents this morning. (laughs) (laughs) And holding on while also letting go, right? Yeah. Holding the focus while forgetting. Doing both. Being both things. Being the old thing and the new thing and being nothing. Being no one. Willing to let go of the egoic identity that we have created around who and what makes us who we are letting those old definitions fall away. I went through a training years ago, back in, I think, 2012, uh, called the Body-Mind Bridge Hypnotherapy Training. Shuna Morelli, wonderful, wise woman, she taught this process, and it's the most simplified version that I could impart in this moment that is so profound. I'll invite you as an action, you know, a ritual action to imagine this with me, sharing her process. There's the old way that we have been. And so just tune into, in your personal life as you listen, there's something that you wanna change in your life. There's some new thing that you're becoming or that you would like to become, but you're not quite there yet. Or maybe you're there in some ways, but you're not fully embodying it. So there's this old way and this new way. And when we tune in to the old way, (laughs) the frequency that we are no longer wanting to perpetuate, there's usually some kind of block that relates to it. It's formed some kind of stuckness in our being because it's old. And it's no longer what we want to perpetuate, but it's still showing up in our experience. And so if you can tune into your own body right now and just invite that old frequency that you no longer wish to perpetuate, invite it to to show up in some location in your body. Maybe it shows up through a sensation or an image You just become drawn to a particular location in your body where it lives or has lived. And just becoming aware of what shape is that, what the sensation is of this old way or the image or the word. And naming it, being willing to name it, being willing to identify it, being willing to associate with this thing that maybe we've tried to ignore or dissociate from, but really inviting it to come into your awareness fully, relating to it. And the second step, once we have made relationship, is to find out how it has served us. 
to invite it to inform you as to why you created it in the first place. <laughs> why did we need that block? Why did we need that old paradigm? How did it support us? How did we come to create it? And just acknowledge and really honor that it served a purpose. And then maybe once you are able to acknowledge why it's here or why you kept it all this time or how it served you in some way or another. And there may still be ways that it, it's still serving you, right? Or maybe you're just ready, completely ready to let it go. But you can invite then some symbolic transformational process to occur. You can invite it to shift. You can invite it to change, to release. And maybe there's some aspect of it that you need still. And it could just have a new form, a new image, a new name. And you can claim that for yourself. Or maybe it's ready to go from caterpillar to butterfly. Maybe it's just ready to be something totally different. And notice how it feels in your body when you allow that to shift. Sometimes there's pain associated with the old way and the pain goes away or it changes color or form. When we realize how the old frequency served us, the old paradigm, the old stuckness even, and we can stop dissociating from it and really acknowledge why we needed it and then thank it even, you know, be grateful that we had that in the way that we needed it with some compensation that got us through. If we're going to be on our evolutionary path and we are willing to constantly change and become someone new, then this is not just something we do once. This is something that we could do as a practice in our lives, regularly letting go of the old way, the old you, allowing yourself to transform and transition, to be in the void, to hold delicately what we are calling in and to release it and let it go at the same time. I'm constantly finding out more, having the experience of contraction and expansion, that it's an ongoing process of finding out what makes me feel like I'm contracting. And that's those falsities, like the things that I am not, the things that I don't have, my, my complaints, my fears, all of those cause a contraction. And the evolution is expansion. Like for a while I was like, oh, like evolution is like linear or hierarchical and being, you know, didn't want to didn't want to do that, but when I embrace the concept of expansion, that we look out 
through these great telescopes and we see that the universe is constantly expanding. I know expansion is possible because I can look around and see that. I have learned to look for the parts where I'm contracting and what am I creating that causes that contraction and acknowledging it, seeing it, letting it go and feeling those little epiphanies of expansion that happen after that. And it's a, it's a fun game. It really, I think that's the biggest thing is that it's, it's really fun to play with alignment. The great work is play. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. There's tears. There's anguish. There's fear. There's, and it's still play. It's, it's the best kind of play. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Alone Traveler's Guide to the Divine. I would love to invite you to follow me on social media. All of my links are in the show notes to continue to follow our progress with the building of this beautiful healing center and to find out if there are maybe some classes or workshops coming up that you would like to participate in. And I want to invite you to share this episode. If you know anyone who is going through a life transition, thank you for sharing, reviewing, and for participating with your energy. It's an honor to be in sacred community with you. Thank you.